0: Hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lock Here, Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping everyone get the inside scoops on life around our church. Today, I think we're going to have a very critical conversation, uh, not just to the health of our community, but maybe even to our physical health. Uh, as we uh, revisit uh, uh, some conversation with our teaching pastor, Mike Krause. Say hi, Michael. Hey, everybody. It's been a while. (laughs) That's why I say revisit, because uh, you and I haven't connected uh, over this podcast for some time. So give us a bit of an update on how things are going in your world these days.
1: Well, the the main feature of our world these days continues to be the fact that, as many of you know, uh, my wife Krista works at uh, the Hamilton General Hospital, which is the COVID hospital for uh, this entire area and we are um, navigating those related stresses. Um, but the flip side of that coin is that she has gotten both of her doses of the vaccine. So that's helped mitigate some of the some of the worry, but it is amazing um, just how much, for us as a healthcare family, how much uh, the pandemic continues a year in to occupy so much of our time and space and energy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. Hey, you mentioned, you know, when we're now over a year in, um, just reflecting back on the past year for a little bit, how, how have you felt about things?
1: Well, I personally, um, you know, as somebody who is afflicted with introversion, um, maybe late onset introversion and someone who loves a slow pace of life, I I would be in the maybe smaller group of people who haven't struggled as much with uh, the homebound side of things. But I got to tell you, in the last little while, Sunday mornings, we showed some pictures of em- the empty auditoriums and kind of coinciding with that, uh, I started, it seemed like I started bumping into southridge's more and more just uh, while I'm out and about and both of those things have made me emotional lately like I just I I I look back on the year and I think it's been okay but even someone who has not struggled over the last year I'm I'm ready for this to be over I think (laughs) yeah
0: yeah aren't we all hey when it comes to our response as a church any feelings that you'd want to comment on a year in
1: I mean, yeah, I, I have been so proud of how our community has uh, responded, how our community has um, prioritized protecting some of the vulnerable people in our midst, being willing to do what none of us wanted to do, which is to, to limit our services to online. Um, and I get the sense that for a good number in our community, we've spent a lot of time in reflection and renewal, uh, you know you kind of in the spirit of absence making the heart grow fonder maybe we're I think people at least that I've talked to have spent the last year realizing how much they miss uh, how that important role that church has played and um, being together as a community I mean and people are eager to get back to it and I hope that when we get back together I anticipate us with a, a renewed energy and a fire that, that I really look forward to. Yeah that's going to be
0: pretty fantastic um i want to dive right in you you mentioned uh krista having got her her vaccinations and actually talk about that kind of face that conversation head-on uh in this podcast because it 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 feels like not every christian in our country and uh you know even i know there's been some conversation across our community not everybody is excited by this talk about why you understand that to be
1: yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that anybody is necessarily surprised that the idea of vaccination has um, created some heated dialogue in our country. I mean, vaccination in general, long before we ever heard the phrase COVID-19, has been a hotly debated um, topic for a long time. People have developed strong opinions, both for and against And, uh, I mean, Jeff, you preached uh, some time ago now. I can't remember how long ago, a couple of years maybe. uh, You preached a sermon about the power of polarizing positions, that when, when people hold strongly opposed opinions, that often what occurs is that just actually having the opinion inflames debate and sometimes even creates hostility and it makes it easier for people to talk past each other and misunderstand each other. And I think a lot of that has gone on um, with regards to the vaccine for a long... With vaccines, period, for a long time. And, and it probably shouldn't surprise any of us that it's been inflamed again, that dialogue uh, around COVID-19. Yeah,
0: especially, you know, we've talked before about kind of this all-in mentality when it comes to faith, that if I'm going to be all-in, whatever I believe, I'm going to believe with my whole heart. Mm-hmm. and uh, And so people develop convictions and then you just you tend to kind of go to the wall over them. And uh, again, like you said, not surprising that, that that this is one of those. As you've spoken with people or maybe you know heard commentary online, what seem to be the primary concerns regarding vaccination?
1: Yeah, I think as far as I am clued into listening to people talk, I think there are a lot of um, concerns that I don't feel necessarily qualified, um, to address it, you know, directly. I have my own opinions, of course, but, but I think some people have concerns about the science. Um, I think people, we live in a culture that has learned to distrust institutions. And I think that's true of science. I think there's a, a good community of people who distrust the science, scientific community. Um, and I think there is a lot of divergent scientific information about vaccines, about how they're developed, about what actually happens when you take a vaccine. And so there are there are people have science concerns. I think people have uh, safety concerns um, that I mean people have been concerned about the safety and the effects of vaccination in general. And I think in particular, the covid nineteen vaccine, which was developed, of course, on such an accelerated timeline, I think there are folks for whom those safety questions have been really exacerbated. And then I think some people have political questions. I mean, kind of going back to mistrusting institutions, I think people distrust politicians. They distrust politics. And I think in this instance, there seems at the very least to be a concern about the tension between that Va- promoting vaccinations for the public good and yet respecting people's individual freedom to make their own decision, of course, which democracy depends on individual rights and freedoms. And so you have fears on both sides. On the one side, people fear that there won't be enough uptake in the vaccinations for us to reach herd immunity and it'll leave our society exposed. And then I think there are concerns on the other side that people will be forced to make a decision that they don't want to make, and uh, in a way that they feel violates their freedom. And um, I think, I think, and and uh, there are broader broader questions that linger still about the about the virus itself. And I I think a lot of those things factor into people's concerns about vaccination, but. I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a political scientist. I'm not a uh, a doctor. And so I am, you know, gathering information just like everybody else. I don't, I'm not sure I'm qualified to speak about those concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. and you
0: get into the complexity then of, I know the term lately has been the vaccine passport.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Right. And, you know, that, that, that really accentuates kind of the debate. And uh, like I said, especially the the political dynamic between what's good for the broader society Mm-hmm. supposedly and people's individual freedom and choice so we'll we'll just say those things and kind of leave them out there the, the, the part that just I really to acknowledge wanna, them yeah yeah the, the part that I'd really like to dive in uh, together with you in, in the podcast today Mike is on what I'd call the theology because I know that for some especially for some faith-based people their aversion to vaccination would in their understanding be biblical. And so I'm wondering if you can just kind of help us understand what people would understand the Bible to say about vaccines that would create aversion to them.
1: Yeah. I uh, and I mean this, I think these concerns I do feel a little more qualified, at least to reflect biblically on um, with people. And so it as I understand it, at least what from what I've been able to discern. There are, there are, I think, four core biblical concerns that people would have with the idea of vaccination or, you know, with the COVID vaccination, maybe in particular, um, that are worth addressing. I, I might not have been exposed to others, but these are the ones that I've been exposed to. Um, probably the first one, and the one that seems to be most prominent, at least in my experience, is the concern that the vaccine contains fetal tissue, that the development of the vaccine has depended on abortion and uh, fetal tissue. And so it seems to be um, radically inconsistent with a pro-life ethic uh, to take a vaccine that was developed using the tissue from aborted fetuses. And, um, I'm going to say right up on the front end, there is, um, there is a with, with most of these, um, with most of these objections, there is a kernel of truth somewhere in the middle that is worth saying out loud. So, in the development of vaccines, there is a step in the process where one option for development is to use cells that are grown in a lab that are the descendants of the embryonic cells of in particular, I think it's two aborted fetuses from the 1960s. So there was in the 1960s, a, a new methodology for vaccination was innovated, as I recall, or as I understand it. And the, that technology required the use of cells in order to transmit the uh, the vaccine into the human, you know, into the person who was receiving the vaccination and the person who developed this process knew of or made, was made aware of the tissue of a couple of aborted fetuses that were otherwise going to be discarded and uh, requested the use of those to, to get access to these cells um, to develop the vaccine. And I think it's important to say that, that I mean, A, to acknowledge that that alone can create some moral issues for people. Um but I there's a couple things I'd want to say about that. That number one, this is true of, by the way, not just COVID nineteen of many many vaccines that um, we've are, many of us have already taken. But I think it's an important distinction to note that there were no abortions have ever been performed for the purpose of vaccination or developing a vaccine. That what what has been done is that the tissue of fetuses. Who had already been aborted were used for the process, um, and I think, you know, I think that's important to say.
0: Yeah, it's almost like organ donation.
1: Well, so so I think a comparable analogy: imagine that a young person is murdered, perhaps brutally murdered, and their organs are then used to save the lives of other people. I don't think any of us would say, well, if you receive one of those organs, you're complicit in the murder or you're saying that the murder is okay. Of course not. Right. It's obviously an evil act. um, But just because you can become a beneficiary of an evil act doesn't mean you're endorsing the act or saying that the act is okay. In fact, I would argue that if you withheld an organ donation, because it came from a murdered victim and somebody died as a result, I think withholding that organ is, to me, a, a more evil act than receiving the organ donation. And I think there's a, there's a decent analogy there. Um, the Catholic Church um, has talked about this thing. They call it material cooperation. You know That act is cooperating with an immoral action but without having any evil intention in your own heart. So, so I become the beneficiary of an evil act that was done, but I had no evil intent in myself. And the, and the way the Catholic Church has sorted through this, they've said, listen, the, the, you know, the Bible says, Romans 12 says, do not do evil so that good may result. And I think it, this was my point about no fetuses were aborted for this purpose. No evil was done so that good can result. The flip side is God is a God of resurrection, that God can bring life out of death constantly. That's what God does. And so the Catholic Church has said, listen, if if it bothers your conscience that a particular vaccine was developed using the descendants of these aborted cells, um, then choose a different one. But if there are no alternatives, it is not evil to choose the vaccination. It's kind of... It's permitted, especially in extreme cases like saving lives, to benefit from an evil action in this way. Um, and, I, and, I, and I would say, just kind of as a, a ca- caveat on the whole thing, is to say there is no fetal tissue in any vaccine that any of us have ever received. Where fetal cells have been used, they are eliminated before the vaccine is administered. And the other thing is, say, many processes now actually don't even use those cells. They use stem cells or clone cells or animal cells. There are other actual alternatives if that still bothers your conscience. But that, that's kind of been, to me, that in my experience, that's sort of been the biggest objection. Usually the one that comes out first is, is the use of fetal tissue. Okay. Uh, talk about the other three then. The second one, um, there's a lot of talk about this idea that um, there is going to be a microchip injected alongside the vaccination. And there, I mean, I think there are scientific issues with that. I, as far as I understand, no microchip is actually been developed ever that is small enough to fit through the opening in a syringe needle. But the biblical side of the objection kind of comes out of revelation chapter 13, where it's, it talks about the mark of the beast where Uh, that, you know, the way the book of Revelation is sometimes read, it is predicted that there's going to come a time when people will have to receive a mark on their forehead or their hand in order to declare allegiance to the evil governmental power that is in opposition to God. And uh, without that participation, or without that mark of the beast, participation in society, is actually gonna be possible. You're not gonna be able to buy or sell or travel or whatever. And in the passage, it's linked to this number 666, which is called the mark of the beast. And all of this is kind of interpreted as a prediction of future events at the end of the world that are gonna usher in the apocalypse and and the return of Christ and the end of time and so on. And people have been um, making this link between this passage in revelation with about the mark of the beast with this sort of urgent push that our government is doing right now to encourage people to be vaccinated and sometimes bill gates gets implicated in all of that as well but um but my response to that would simply be to say this is that's not at all what the book of revelation is about the book of revelation isn't a book that primarily forecasts future events about the end of the world. The book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John to the church in the Roman Empire, urging them to maintain faithfulness to Christ in the face of all sorts of pressure to engage in the worship of the emperor. In fact, the number 666 is in the text, is actually code for Caesar Nero, right? You write the number 666, because you know, then it's sort of a secret way to talk about the emperor without getting in trouble. If you write bad things about Nero, you're going to get in trouble, or the emperor, you're going to get in trouble. But if you write 666, then you've kind of coded it. Nobody knows that that's really what you're talking about. Um, And so the text isn't I, in my mind, I am not, in the way that I interpret the book of Revelation, I am not waiting for a day when a future one world government uh, or collection of government imposes the mark of the beast on people and so on. That, I think, John was writing about events that were happening in the first century, not events that are future for us. So I, I don't think that ought to be a concern with a, with a good, faithful reading of the book of Revelation.
0: Yeah, and knowing that you've you've taught on revelation in Multiple times. a bunch of different environments, uh, I would encourage anyone listening who wants to follow up just to, to email you privately and and maybe chase that conversation down a little further to yeah, understand so- why the book of Revelation was written, to whom it was written, and what the ultimate point, even of those passages was uh, that applies to us, you know, as relevantly today.
1: Yeah, I, I know that. I just said a bunch of things really quickly about the most controversial book in the entire Bible. So I'm happy to follow up with people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, number three, what would you say? Uh,
1: I think the third one comes back to the idea of forced vaccination, vaccinations as a concern, um, that the government is f- going to force people to violate their personal liberty, um, and I think, honestly, that that's, uh, that is a, we ought to always be concerned in every decision we make as a society that we are trying to find a balance between the public good and individual rights and freedoms. I think both of those things have to be maintained all the time. And, you know, to this end, there, the debate biblically kind of circles around Romans chapter 13, where it talks about, you know... uh the proper role, the good and proper role of the government to create a just society and to have at their disposal the tools of the state in order to ensure that that happens. And the debate kind of hovers around what the limits are around uh, maintaining justice in society, how far can a government go, and so on. But I think it's important to say that... When it comes to vaccinations, religious exemptions have always existed. That every vaccination has come with a religious exemption. That the government has never shown any inclination to force people who who wanted to opt out uh, into vaccinations. Though the government has, for example, in Ontario, you have to show your immunization record in order to participate in school. Because that's how they are trying to enforce their, their public concern. Um, but I would say, for my, to my mind, uh, the, the better conversation for us to have is on the personal liberty side, because following the example of Jesus, for example, in Philippians chapter 2, among other places, um, the example of Jesus is to be willing to sacrifice my personal liberty in order to be subservient to the public good, the collective good. We have a responsibility to consider other people's interests ahead of our own, um, to set aside our personal rights and privileges for the sake of other people, even in Philippians 2 when that incurs a a personal cost, right? Jesus, it says, was willing to do that all the way to the cross. Um, For us, thankfully, it doesn't involve all the way to the cross, but it does require us to assume a minimum per- personal risk in receiving the vaccine in order to contribute to the collective good of you know herd immunity and so on so long as it doesn't violate your conscience for other reasons right mm-hmm. but this shouldn't be the reason that people choose to not get vaccinated as far as mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned yeah this has been a huge value and a huge uh, conversation that
0: we've had with a number of people over the last year uh, especially during uh, you know kind of lower case phases, where people have wondered why we're not open on Sundays. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't we open if we're allowed to open if 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 the protocols allow us to open at thirty percent? Why wouldn't we? You know, why aren't we lobbying all of our government relations to 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 try to get you know even uh, greater occupancy or greater opportunity or greater privilege? And and part of our answer the whole time has been. Because we can make this sacrifice, yeah. Because our posture isn't to push for the maximum gain, but actually to give away as much privilege, give away as much right as we as we can for the sake of the 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 broader good. And you mentioned earlier, you know, you'd love to be seeing people on Sundays, so would I. Uh, But it's it's actually a sacrifice we can make for others, and Mm so that uh, I think that personal liberty versus relinquishment of privilege is a is a that's a huge part of this conversation in my mind
1: absolutely it is
0: uh and then finally what would you say is the fourth
1: yeah the fourth one would be various ways that people come at this idea of of god's will or living in faith or trust or whatever so you know some people will say well taking a vaccination a vaccine is interfering with divine providence like god has god's will and and stop fighting it, let it happen. And I, I would say that that's not true. God can accomplish God's will regardless. We have some stories, you know, within our own community of pregnancies, regardless of efforts taken to try and prevent those pregnancies. And, and it seems to me like, um, we're not stifling or stymieing God's will by, uh, by taking a vaccination. I, I think, um, It is, you know, we, I think we can't get in the way of God accomplishing what God wants to do. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, The second would be kind of people sometimes talk about, you know, the power of prayer. Uh, You'll hear people say, you know, Jesus is my vaccine. And I hear the spirit of that. I would rather trust God than trust science. And I don't think that has to be an either or. I think we all put on seatbelts when we get in our cars. At least I hope we all do. Um, and that's not a lack of faith in Jesus. That is simply recognizing that um, Jesus plus a seatbelt combined, Those are that's a pretty good way to keep yourself safe. Like I think about the Apostle Paul saying to Timothy, he says, you know, don't drink water only. You get these stomach aches, like drink some wine. It's going to help you. It's sort of this, yes, you're a person of faith, but, taking medication is not a bad thing. Um, Sometimes people will talk about not wanting to live in fear, wanting to have faith. And I agree, perfect love drives out fear, absolutely. But that doesn't mitigate our need for personal responsibility. You could look at the entire book of Proverbs, uh, which is all about make wise decisions about your life so that your life goes well. It doesn't, you know, we don't enact this philosophy with our finances, right? Well, I don't I don't care what I spend. I don't pay attention to what I make or whatever. I'm just loose with my money because I don't want to live in fear. No, no, you you have a responsibility to make good choices. And then I think the 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 fourth one that I've heard people say is you you know you're the body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so why are you injecting poison in your body? And I would say uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is why I want to make every decision to keep my body as healthy as possible, including whatever medications help me do that. The vaccines aren't poisons. Um, they're medications, and we need to understand them that way. But it's, it's a lot of really well-intentioned, I want to put my tr- primary faith in God, um, but I think taken to an extreme position, it actually puts our lives at risk.
0: So rather than this conversation being, uh, you know, some ideas and sort of your reactions in the spirit of like trying to shoot them down i i i know that isn't your heart um but just kind of responding to them from from your perspective talk about knowing that there are people you know not just across niagara and around the world but but there are people in our community who hold many of these convictions and you know, we've had this framework for some time now called Love Beyond Belief, which is uniting around the the, the biggest issue to love Christ and to love one another, uh, rather than these, what we've called kind of lesser issues or disputable matters. Just just guide us through briefly, uh, because we've got to wrap up soon, <laughs> guide yeah. us through how to think about this from a Love Beyond Belief perspective. Are... Our, our, Issues like vaccinations, the kinds of things that would fall in the category of disputable matters?
1: Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And and would want to be clear, I'm glad that you bring this up as a question. I would want to be clear that I'm just sharing my personal perspective on these questions in the hopes that they might be helpful uh, to people who have their own questions about whether or not the Bible speaks for or against vaccinations. I'm just offering my perspective. But at the end of the day, I do think that this is a disputable matter. This is something that is a matter uh, for each of our consciences. We, we feel these things deeply. They're, they're intensely personal and important. And we, uh, we therefore defend, we tend to defend them as though they're core or foundational to our belief and our faith. And I just, I don't personally think that they are. I think that there are good People who love and follow Jesus on both sides of the question, there are biblical arguments that can be advanced on both sides, and I don't see somebody's posture when it comes to vaccination as essential to their gospel, to their faith, or um, what it means to follow Jesus. Good, good, faithful Christian people can do both.
0: Yeah, and so I'd want people listening, uh, regardless of which side you land on personally. Just to know that that's the kind of culture that we're seeking to foster as a community and you know if you've felt like you're kind of in the minority um i'd really hope that you're you're hearing our heart of desiring to include and foster belonging across the spectrum of beliefs on delicate sensitive you know strongly held views like this we see the call to love one another call to love God with all of our hearts, the call to unity amidst diversity. We talk about that a lot. You know, these kinds of things are way, way higher values to God uh, than us subdividing as a church community or subdividing as social circles uh, over, you know, inflammatory issues like this. And so maybe, Mike, as we wrap up, you could just share like a, a final sort of vision or encouragement or challenge to our community as the, the, the vaccination era of this pandemic uh, really starts to increase these days.
1: Yeah, I would, just in the spirit of what you were talking about, I would just want us to encourage all of us to lean into that love towards each other that goes deeper than our convictions, to to acknowledge that it's good and right to ask questions about what you hear and what you read, that our institutions do fail because they're filled with people who uh, are sinners. And, And sometimes they're wrong and sometimes they're not utterly transparent and we should be demanding accountability as the norm. And so to not at all look down on somebody for asking questions because that's valuable, but to give each other space to develop our own convictions and to live in line with our own conscience. Um, and resist the temptation, I think, to look down on or judge somebody who has come to a different opinion than we have, to be respectful and supportive of each other's decisions and do the work, Paul says in Romans 14, to maintain peace in the community, to build each other up and to walk together towards Jesus. I think that's Uh, in in, in this coming season that is going to orient disproportionately around what has been a disproportionately contentious issue in our culture for a long time. I think that's how we have to walk together. And I know, and I trust, and I believe in our community's commitment to love to do it.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing with us today, Mike, and I hope that's been helpful to all of you who are listening in. Knowing how eager we are to get through this pandemic and to be together in person, face to face again one day, let's make sure that through this vaccine season, that we're bigger than the controversies so that when we are back together face to face, we can really embrace one another, regardless of conviction, with a heart of love. I'm really looking forward to that day. And I know, Mike, you are too. So uh, thanks for joining us again this week. And we'll see you back here uh, in another week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. (laughs) Bye. <laughs>